Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about the Nations League, the squad, the opposition, and a few other bits and bobs that have popped up since we last spoke to you. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Ruth. Hi, Ruth. How are you doing? All right. Okay, over here. What about you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Not too bad. Busy couple of days, but uh, looking forward to going to Belgium on Thursday and uh, enjoying some some light Belgian refreshments uh, along the way, I'm sure, as well. Um, We are going to obviously talk about the game against the Belgians, the Polish and a few other things that have popped up during the week as well. We'll start, Ruth, uh, by looking at the squad announcement, which was the which was the big news of the week, if you like. Um, obviously, there were some new names in there in, in the terms of uh, Luke Harris. And since the squad was announced, uh, Jordan James has also been called up as well. What do you think of their, their inclusion? Because I suppose those two names are the, are the big standouts, if you like. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at a squad of 28 and... Some you know some injuries looming. We knew Ramsey and Wilson were going to be missing, and then obviously Joe Allen and, and Ben Davies have pulled out. So I don't I don't think there's any surprise in seeing some um, very much fringe players coming in, next generation players coming in. Um, I think it's encouraging that someone like Jordan James. I think he's another interesting case, a little like David Brooks was, where he's almost been encouraged to spend some time with the uh, the English youth system and our youth an under 21 system and as you know seems to be plumping for us i mean nothing's definite yet but um i mean i think that's that's another encouraging sign isn't it we've 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 said often that um once you can get some of these dual dual triple qualified players kind of in the system and feeling valued with the system we seem to be pretty successful at drawing people in so i think it's just an encouraging step um, on hopefully what will be, you know, a, a continuation of, of his involvement and James's involvement. But I don't think there's particularly any um, anything contentious in in the in the uh, in the squad. I think the fact that Tom Lawrence is injured has kind of saved Rob Page having to really consider whether or not he draws him back in. I mean, I think it's I think it's difficult to not pick a player that's potentially playing in the Champions League um, which you, you know he would have been without the injuries I think it would be very hard to to not be drawing back in um, but you know I think I think Paige has been saved from that decision I suppose the one um, the one weird one and we've discussed this before so I don't want to labour it again is Tom Lockyer's absence I still find that a strange one yeah I agree with you it's it's a funny one. That is the one kind of stand out for me. It's interesting. Uh, interesting. Sorry to see Ben Cabango back in. I thought that was good mm-hmm. um, after his injury issues. Um, so maybe I suppose that does kind of fill that spare centre back spot that we've talked about a couple of times, which as a consequence maybe means that Lockyer doesn't need to get in. But in a squad of twenty eight, when you've already know that you've got other people missing, I was a bit surprised by that, especially as we're getting close to the World Cup now and obviously kind of big decisions are being made so I agree with you that was the one that was the kind of the the standout for me um I think in terms of uh, Jordan James just to go back to that I think that may well be his decision made now I don't see I don't see him having gone to the uh, England under 20s 
and then allowed himself to be picked by our under twenty ones if he's not going to commit to our pathway. So, I think I think he's the one there that is is most pleasing to me. Really, I think he's he, that seems to me like he's very much committed to us now. So, that's that's very very exciting. Um, I think in in I'm not going to go down the the Lawrence route again. I've said that a million times. I can't be bothered. Um, but I I, I do think the the one interesting omission just in terms of our situation. Um, especially as it looks like Bale won't be playing against Belgium, was right potentially Ryan Hedges, who's scoring goals in the mm-hmm. champ, who's scoring goals in the championship. P- potentially that was the one. Um, it sparked the squad, kind of sparked an interesting debate on Twitter, uh, which kind of led to an interesting question uh, on uh, from one of our listeners, which I'm now uh, scrolling through desperately. Um, uh, Kylan Stryker-Jones has messaged and said, at the end of the World Cup cycle, uh, which players from the current squad do you think need replacing and who would you replace them with? I thought that was a really interesting question because a lot of chat was about, like, why is Gunter in again? Why is Johnny Williams in again? Mm -hmm. Um, I thought we could kind of maybe play both sides of that argument a little bit, Ruth. Um, First of all, if we just focus on, let's use Johnny uh, and Chris Gunter as our kind of main examples here. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the big reason for keeping them, in your opinion? Well, I, th- I think it has to be experience. It has to be bring what they're bringing. In Gunt's case in particular, what they're bringing as a wider contribution to the squad. Um, I think Johnny's still... You look at how he's played when he's come on in recent games. I still think he's got something to give us. I don't think he's a bad... Um, particularly when you consider we're going to have a squad of 26. I don't don't think Johnny's a bad kind of 26 on the list. I think if we were looking at Chris Gunter just as a player, I don't think he'd be making it. He certainly wouldn't be making a 23, and I think he might even be borderline for a 26. But there's obviously more to his role than that. Um, and I, I suspect the, 20, the increase to 26 has kind of solidified his 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 place I, I think also we are I mean that question that came up about kind of almost like switching to youth after the World Cup as it were um and who you know who would we bring in instead we're we're actually an incredibly young squad when you start when you start looking at it the the only players that are that are 30 or over um, in our regular squad are Hennessy, obviously, Gunt, Bale, Moore, who's just 30, Joe Allen and, and Aaron Ramsey. There's only the six of them that are, that are over 30. And I don't think you're doing anything about Moore. I don't think... I think assuming Bale, Allen and Ramsey are still playing regularly for club teams. I think you'd want them involved. I think the ball is kind of in their courts, what they want to do after the World Cup. Um, I think Hennessy being 35, I think it's a different issue for it. I think age is a somewhat different issue for a goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, you know, so, so actually, I'm, I'm not sure we're actually at a point where age really is a driver here because there's not that many of the players that that are 30 or over I mean you know Connor, Connor Roberts is 26 and he's like the old man of the <laughs> the old man of the of the back line when um, we haven't got Ben Davis there at the minute but you know and I think 
I'm not sure there is actually. Perhaps the um, perhaps the issue that it might have been with some squads we've had, where clearly you get to a, a qualifying campaign and and you know you need a new broom because it's it almost like you're putting out a geriatric team. We haven't been like that in a long time, and I really don't think we're like that at the minute. I think it's interesting how young we still are, um, and. That, and as I said, I think I think it's more about when particular players want to retire or at least perhaps not be as involved as they have been. I think that might be more the driver. Um, it's interesting that. I, I would say there's two things I would say. The first thing is I think Gunter should be in and I do think that his main reason is that the alternative that would come in, in instead of him, I don't really know who that would be. I also don't think mm-hmm. they would be significantly good enough to make a difference because whether we like it or not, Gunter can play that right side centre-back and he can play as like a wing-back. Is he as good or effective as he was in, in France in 2016? Of course not. But I also don't think anyone can give me a name or an answer for who would who mm-hmm. would replace him. So I think what he brings on the flip side of that coin in terms of his experience and, and our obvious love for what he does means that he, he still holds a tangible value to that playing squad. Mm-hmm. I think Johnny Williams is the one who is now playing at a level where I just think, I'm just not sure. And mm-hmm. and I think we've got young, exciting, attacking midfield players coming through. He's the one I think would be most at risk. But I also think that you'd be taking a bit of a gamble, for example, not taking Johnny Williams, but taking someone like a Rabi Matondo or a Ruben Colwell. I appreciate they're not exactly the same player. Uh, do you know what I mean? It's not the, yeah. the the notable step up is not vast into the next person, but he's the one who I think would be most at risk. Maybe he would be the twenty sixth man, but it's not like he would be taking the place of someone glaringly obvious. Like if Johnny Williams goes, and let's say Tyler Roberts doesn't, I like Tyler Roberts has never done it for Wales in my opinion. I'm sh- you know seems like a lovely lad. Um, but he, he's he's never really done it for Wales, I, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So if the if the choice is between him or let's say Tyler Roberts, then I think taking Johnny Johnny Esther is the is the way to go, just because of what else he brings. Um, yeah. In terms of asking uh, answering the question, I, I I think we've. I don't really like doing this because I don't like him, but I think there's some stuff that Ryan Giggs did which I think in maybe five five years' time, we may look back again, as we did with Brian Flynn and John Toshak and that type of stuff, and say, mm-hmm. oh, bloody hell. Because if you look back at the Nations League campaign before this one that got us promoted, we played a lot of that campaign without our big-name players, if you like, and there were opportunities, yeah. especially in midfield, um, for players to come in and they came in and they did well and they didn't make mistakes so now someone like Dylan Levitt is in and out of the team in and out of the squad he's still got enough experience from that campaigns so that if Joe Allen goes it's fine because we've now got someone like Levitt who I still don't think is a finished article and we've got Morel and a few other of these players who were blooded in that Mm -hmm. tournament and has made a real positive impact and we didn't actually notice I appreciate it's obviously different if let's say Gareth Bale retires but with that said 
I think we've also got James and Johnson and more, and then a selection of other younger players. Kem Campbell, if he decides to come to, to us, and again, we'll, I'll mention him in, in another question in a sec, but those sort of players who can come into the squad and have come into the squad and made a tangible difference. So obviously mm-hmm. it would be heartbreaking to lose Gareth Bale, but... He, what he is replaced with is still not because he's not Gareth Bale of you know four or five years ago. He's yeah. just Gareth Bale of now. He's he's becoming more human. Um, then the, the drop off isn't as big in the same way that Aaron Ramsey. As much as I love him, what he is able to reproduce playing for Wales because of his age and if, uh, fitness issues and whatever. Mm-hmm. If he drops out, the next person. In, on the line is actually not as, as bad an alternative as it would have seemed a few years ago. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting one. For me, I think the cycle starts in the next Nations League, whenever that is, um, whether we're in the mm-hmm. top division or the second division. I think that's when the next cycle starts rather than the Euros campaign. But I do think we very much are at that point now where I'm not sure how much longer it is in, let's say, Gareth Bale or Aaron Ramsey's hands. Mm-hmm. How long their starting place is still is still theirs for I, at the minute it is, but I think we're getting to that point now where soon and not a million miles away from that decision not being theirs anymore, unless they choose to retire, obviously. So it's it's a really interesting question that really made me think. I really like that. So thank you very much, Caelan, for that question. Um, can I can I just add though before on. you move on? I think there's an important factor here is that although we're youthful, we're not inexperienced. And I think that goes back to, um, you know, that last game of last couple of games of of Chris Coleman, you know, that famous night in Paris where we had all those debutants, and um, and obviously what what Giggs and Page have done since, you know, the fact that you've got people like Ampadu and Mepham who are well into the thirties of caps already, I think, I don't think this is something to be fearful of both from what you were saying in terms of we've actually got some damn good young players, but we've also got some experienced young players as well. And I think I think those two facets together mean that this changing of the guard, which, as you say, is going to come, this changing of the guard isn't the fear that it might have been previously. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, on this, uh, Damon John has asked, uh, with these big names we're talking about, they're missing. Who do you <laughs> think is the biggest miss of the three? Um, he also asked a follow-up question, which is how scared are you? They're all injured with only two months to go. I'm going to answer the second question uh, very quickly. Mm-hmm. I we, and I know this might be just I'm just playing in my own head a bit, but I'm, <laughs> I'm quite glad that if they're going to pick up little niggles and have a couple of months off, that they're mm-hmm. doing it now. If if someone told me that Bale, Ramsey, uh, etc., are going to have six weeks off now and then like a two-week run up to the tournament, <laughs> I would be. Absolutely buzzing with that. So I'm not that bothered about the the injury side of things. However, to go to the question, Ramsey Davis Allen, um, who's the biggest miss for you, Ruth? Um, I mean, if we're assuming that all three of them were at their absolute best, then it's Ramsey clearly. Yeah. But if if we're looking at where we are at right now, I think it might be Ben Davies, just because of the of the nature of that back five, I think he's really important to the structure of that back five, the way he reads the games, the, 
you know, we've we've seen we saw in some of the June games, didn't we? Those those t- tackles between him and Rodden, you know, their reading of the game, and I think um, so. I think right at this minute, Ben Davies might be the one that we're missing because I think I think there's some sort of structure at the back that he provides. But then I find I kind of it's like you were saying, you know, running around in playing hamster in your own head. Um, you know, you look at defensive midfield and that might be our weakest point on the team and, da, 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 and hence is Joe Allen super important but I don't think he's the player that he was and you know so right now I think my vote would be that we're missing Ben Davies I think I think Harry Wilson's might absence might be more of an issue than we're acknowledging as well I don't think it's a problem for these games but I think I think he brings an option to the team that's important and I, I don't think he's as vital in this scenario as you know I can see why the question is asked about the three in particular uh, but I don't think we can ignore the fact that he's missing as well yeah I think that's fair and I think we would see that more and more if we had if we had had more games to play uh, with yeah. him and Wilson uh, him and Ramsey being absent um yeah. uh, frustratingly I agree with you about Ben Davis only because I think if Joe Allen is unfit as he is now, Ampadu comes in and that situation is easier to manage because Ben Davies <laughs> can play at the back with Rodden and Mepham. Yeah. Whereas now, yes, uh, Mep- um, Ampadu will play in midfield, I'd imagine, with Morel. Yeah. But it also means that then we're looking at who is the other person who comes into that back three. So then yeah. we're maybe missing one or two of that back five. And then all of a yeah. sudden those wheels kind of start to roll a little bit. And so I, I would agree with you on that front. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're probably looking, I'm guessing we're looking at a back three centred with Rod and Mepham on one side and Reese Norrington Davies on the other. And whilst I don't think that's a bad trio, I don't think it's helpful if your back three just keeps changing with the frequency that we've had to do lately. Um, and I think it puts a lot of a lot of um, emphasis on Rodden's role. I mean, I think it's really good that he's now playing regularly and seems to have settled in at uh, Rennes and, and is playing well from what I'm hearing. I know there was a bit of a blip maybe three or four weeks ago, but that seems to have, you know, he seems to have got over that and played well, particularly in the Mars- the recent Marseille game. And so I think, I think this is the sort, and unfortunately it's against Belgium, but I think the nature of the Nations League games is, you know, these are these are the games where we, we, we play a kind of, we're not going to be playing a first team because of the injuries, but I think it's the sort of occasion where we can get away with not playing a first team. Um, Oh, there was something you said at the start of your last little bit that I I wanted to come back on. I can't remember what it was uh, <laughs> about who, about being scared that these people are getting injured. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think you know we're not going to go from mid August to November without people getting some some knocks and some um, some concerns. And I think they're... I'd rather they happen now than November, obviously. And I think also the the fact that people can effectively take two weeks off, be with be with their clubs, um, and just you know just breathe a little bit. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, with that right at the minute. I, I mean, if they'd have come to camp, I wonder how many minutes we might have seen anyway. You know, maybe they are actually better off just staying at home. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be something that's going to affect this squad, uh, both squads, uh, both mm-hmm. us, Belgium and Poland, as we go into this as well, in terms of who plays. Before we go to the next stage, I just wanted to make reference to the fact that I would say Ren, and you said it in a very rolled R French way, which I was very... <laughs> I have no idea how you actually said it. So I kind of thought if I say it as French as I can get away with it, maybe it'll sound convincing. I was going to say, I'm not sure if I'm impressed by that, Ruth. Or that's cultural appropriation. I'm not sure if you're being racist, um, but we'll uh, we'll have to see. Um, let's move on. Um, let's... The irony is I'm not very good at rolling my R's, so perhaps I need to learn to roll my R's with a French accent and I can manage it. Well, there you are. I, yeah, you did it in such a soft and natural way. I was very impressed. Uh, our, our friend, uh, our, our, our uh, mutual friend Laura, I'm sure, will be very impressed. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Belgium game. Now, before we start, I have um, a few kids in school, one of which is Belgium, where Belgian, sorry, who tells me that he listens to our podcasts. I do not believe a single word that he says. <laughs> so, Ivan, this is for you, my friend. I just want to see if you, uh, if you do actually listen to this podcast and what you think. You need to give him a code word or something that he's going to come <laughs> back at you with <laughs> to demonstrate he's listened. <laughs> I'm not, not sure it's sensible that I give the code word that I'm thinking of for Ivan. But uh, anyway, uh, let's, let's move on. Um, Ivan, I would love to know your thoughts on this if you are listening. Um, let's start with the Belgians then. Um, I, I don't want us to go down the road of just blowing smoke up their arse, really. I, you know, the, the Belgians are obviously a very good football t- team. We know that. We don't need to kind of hammer that that point. I think the thing that I wanted to talk about looking ahead at this match is more where we think we can get at them. Because for me, I think defensively they're not as strong. Uh, I think they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're relatively slow and I think we have some fast players who can uh, affect them. I also think, given this is the stage that it is of a Premier League season and obviously uh, Syria A and whatever else, that I'm not sure that it's in Belgium's best interest to kind of go go strong here. Um, I think it'll be a good time for fringe players to get some game time. And whilst those yeah. are still good players, I think it will be a good time for them to kind of rotate a little bit. And... Play play a little bit less football for people like Kevin De Bruyne, let's say, who <coughs> excuse mm-hmm. me, who've played Champions League, Premier League, da 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 da. So I also think there's a part of that as well. So um, before I waffle on even more, what um, do you think are the big kind of gettable areas, if you like, from the Belgians? Um, I'm with you. I think of the two games, they're obviously playing the Dutch at the weekend. Um, I think that game against the Netherlands is the more significant for them, having lost one four at home in the in the um, the June reciprocal match. So I think they they probably got something they uh, they feel they need to sort of lay on the Dutch. And so I think if they're going to have a if they're going to put out their genuine starting eleven, I think it's more likely to be the game in Rotterdam than the game against us. Uh, so I think that might help us. Um, Martinez seems a little concerned about his defensive line. He called up Denier late and uh, another uncut player called Debas, who I, you know, I don't know anything about, but I thought it was interesting that he was calling those two up late. So he must have concerns about the fitness and the readiness of, of his proposed back line. Um, I, th- I think that's obviously where we we can go at them. They're not as strong at the back as they were. If you think about our game in June, we probably ended up looking like the away team. They had the possession, but 
you could make a case that we had the better chances. At least in the first half, we had the better chances going at them on the break, um, set pieces as well. And I think we'll be, we, that's probably how we'll end up playing on Thursday as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think we have to approach it almost like a classic away game where we're going at them on the counter, where our speed will really come in. If you know, if we if we're assuming Bale's not playing, it means we're probably going to have James Johnson and Moore up front. Um, you look, you think of the speed there and the crosses into Moore, somewhat shaky defence on their part. I think that's what we're looking at as a as a way to get at them. I actually think uh, that you're you're right there about the three, and I actually think that <laughs> the key to this is hello uh, sure the dogs just walked in so apologies in advance um if there's any barking no i i i think the key for me here and it sounds obvious but there's method to it which is i just don't think we can concede the first goal if we conceded the first goal in cardiff i as as was the case the last two times we played them i still fa- yeah. i still would fancy us to get something out of the game i think yeah. what's difficult is when we play them away i think they're going to have so much possession so many chances we need to we need to be in the game and i think if they score mm-hmm. early go one nil up maybe i think it's going to be a real struggle for us so i think that's the key to the game for me is if is, mm-hmm. is not letting them score early and making sure that we're in the game as long as possible rafa benitez always used to say this at newcastle is that if we're in the game with 15 minutes to go even if that's one nil down Mm-hmm. then that's we, there's a chance for something to happen there. And I think we, yeah. we kind of need to approach it that way as well, where even, you know, it's just, uh, we can't we can't concede early. We You know, I think if we're going to be in the game with 15 minutes, 20 minutes to go at the end, I think I would take that. And I think I would back us to score. We've scored in every game in this Nations League campaign, which considering the opposition is pretty impressive. Um, mm-hmm. And for the most part as well, we've done it without... Your Bales, your Ramses, yeah. your whoever else is Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also think that that is a real positive sign for us as well that we've not been at full strength and we still are doing stuff that is making a difference and, and contributing in a positive way to these games. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think that ability of ours to kind of stay strong in the last twenty minutes of games has become really important. If you think about the the game at the CCS against Belgium in the in the last 20 minutes, we'd subbed off Alan. He, he was subbed off quite early, admittedly, but we subbed off Alan, uh, Bale, Ben Davies, um, Connor Roberts, Wilson. They'd all gone off. And we had Reese Norrington Davies, Wes Burns, Reuben Corwell on in that last 20 minutes. And, and we were fine, you know? So I think I think there is something to be said for... Like you say, our ability, if we can hang in there to then do something valuable in the last 15 minutes of a game, I think there's, there's a clear pattern for that. But I think there's also a clear pattern when we're not necessarily, it's not necessarily the A team, as it were. Um, and so I think, you know, I think there's um, there's a confidence we have when we remain in the game. I mean, I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but I, I'm with you. I think if we can, um, yeah, just hang in there and, and hope to, you know, nudge a 1-1 draw out of it or something like that. Yeah, I think a, a point is important for the wider context, <laughs> which we'll discuss in a sec. Um, I think we're probably going to agree for the most part on this, but I, I think our starting lineup, the only interesting decision, really, I think it will be the goalkeeper. I think the, mm-hmm. back, the back three will likely be um, Rodden, 
Mepham, Norrington Davis, Nico Williams, Connor Roberts, yeah, uh, Ampadu and Joe Morrell, and then the, mm-hmm. the the attacking trio that you mentioned earlier of Moore, James, and Johnson. I I, I think the yeah. key, I, I assume you agree with that before I wrap up. Yeah, on. I do, and I'm with you. I think the decision is the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, so with yeah. with that being said, do you think he will retain his loyalty to to Wayne Hennessy, who started those games? Um, last time around and obviously the big game against Ukraine or do you think given that Danny Ward is playing not spectacularly it must be said uh, but in the Premier League every week do you think that gives him the nod what do you think I think this is a real dilemma actually because if you were just looking at the fact that you've got a, a starting Premier League goalkeeper in Ward and, and Hennessy has spent the Basically, the whole season on the bench, minus I think he played in the EFL, in the yeah, in the uh, in the League Cup. Um, then on that basis, it should be obviously Ward. I feel, however, given the form and the start that Leicester have had and the goals that they've conceded, and I know they're not all his responsibility, far from it. Um, but his head can't be in a particularly good place at the minute. You know, having finally got to the point where he's he's starting and, you know, must have gone into the season really positive and, and this is where they're at now in in mid-September. I think it's uh I think it's a difficult one. I think the fact that Hennessy started the game against Ukraine probably hints that he is our starting goalkeeper. And I don't think what's happening with Ward's club play at the minute is put is actually ironically putting enough pressure on that um so i think i'd be i'd be starting hennessy if this were a competitive game part of me wonders whether i'd i might start ward in this game though in the hope of helping his confidence which is ironic when we're going up against belgium i i'm actually in a real quandary about this yeah, I, I think he's most likely to start Hennessy just because of the mm-hmm. loyalty, and he does seem big on that. I, I do. Do wonder... you think there's? Do you think there's an argument to play one of them in one game and one of them in the other? You can definitely make that argument. I, I don't think mm-hmm. there's. I don't think there's a value to it for me. I think if you play Ward, you're doing it because he's going to be a keeper for the World Cup, and that's going to be your thing mm-hmm. moving forward. Or you're going to play Hennessy because you want to give him a bit of extra game time, looking ahead to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't think there's a, a a huge benefit to one or the other. He knows what all both of them can do. If I was going to be giving anyone a go to roll the dice a bit, I would be, mm-hmm. uh, not that I'm advocating this, but I think it would make more sense to start Hennessy in one and King in the other. If the, if that if he's going mm-hmm. to go Hennessy or Ward and King, depending on, on what he will end up doing. That's just my thoughts, just because I think if we get down this line now and you're not sure or someone else gets injured or whatever else, then what happens, you know, because Tom King has not really played any international football. So to then throw yeah. him in at a World Cup is a big thing. So he, if, if I'm looking to give a goalkeeper minutes, I'd be looking to give mm-hmm. him minutes. But I, I appreciate that's, you know, probably not going to happen either. It's between one of these two, which is, which is the correct decision. But I yeah. think for me, I think it will end up being Hennessy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm leaning that way. Um, while we're talking about that starting at 11... Dave, who would you have as captain? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I think I would probably be looking a little bit further down the line to the future, and I think I would give mm-hmm. it to Joe Rodden, I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, I could see it being Hennessy if he started, but yeah, I true. think 
I would go with Joe Rodden. And I was trying to think back, was there a game where... I've got this strange recollection of a game where he ended up with the armband. Just, you know, one of those... Uh, everybody was being substituted and it was just like, who the hell are we going to give this to? I'll give it to Joe kind of moment. I'm trying to remember, but I seem to have a recollection of that. I think you're right. It was, I think it was, it was either the Finland or Czech Republic game. Uh, no, Finland in the Nations League last time around. Mm -hmm. or, right. or the Czech Republic game right at the start of the World Cup qualifying campaign. Mm-hmm. Is my memory? I remember that as well. So I, I could be yeah. entirely wrong, but um, yeah, that was that was my memory. Um, yeah. To okay, so we're both going for Joe then. Aren't I we? would. Yeah, I think Hennessy is probably the more realistic shout if he's on the pitch. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Um, to look at our favourite game of predictions, um, <laughs> how how are you? Uh, what are you thinking? I think I'm going to go for a one-one, but not very, not with any real confidence. <laughs> I, I wonder it, whether it might be it might be a kind of bit of a nothing game you know strangely like no one really wanting to go in hard you know I just the Belgians are safe in the group a draw would suit us you know I just wonder actually whether that it might end up just a bit a bit blah actually yeah I, I think my logic was similar to yours I, I, I if I'm being 100% honest I think we're going to lose 2-0 but I mm -hmm. can't I can see the argument for it being a nil-nil in a, in a similar mm -hmm. vein Maybe they are experimenting with a few things. We're not at full strength. Everyone's kind of happy just to not get injured and go home. Yeah, um, just see the 90 minutes out, yeah. worry about Sunday. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. And, and I think that's, yeah. that's. I mean, that is, I was going to say my dream scenario. My dream scenario <laughs> is that we win 8-0. But um, yeah, I'm obviously looking forward to the game. Uh, we had a, a message, a tweet, sorry, from Galois in France earlier. Uh, well, we've had a couple actually whilst, we've, whilst I've been doing this. Um, mm -hmm. Galois in France asking, will Dybi support was sporting the new home or away kit for Belgium this week? And which one mm -hmm. do we both prefer? I'm quite weird about my kits uh, and which shirt I wear to the games. And I, you, weird. Who would have thought? <laughs> very unusual. I don't really like wearing, with certain exceptions, the most current kit to the game mm -hmm. and it's not because I'm like trying to be cool or like I've got the old one so I'm trying to be you know retro um I just it, I feel a bit weird doing it I don't know why um so <laughs> I'm not going to wear either of them which I appreciate it's probably not the answer to the question you wanted um I do prefer the away kit of the two um have they, also, have they arrived your two yes they have arrived they're okay they're lovely the, the home kit they're is nicer than I thought the design is growing on me Actually, I have to be honest. Have you have now? You, I've seen you, more and more of it. No, I mean mine haven't. is God knows somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I do like the home one. It is like I like it more than I thought I would. I the only thing is there's like a there's like a green stripe from under the arm all the way down that mm -hmm. I, that I don't really I don't really like the shade of green that it is, and I'm not sure it fits. With the rest of the kit, which I appreciate is, again, a bit of a weird thing. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's my only thing about that. But I do, it, it, it has grown on me. But the away kit is absolutely lovely. Um, the only issue is, as my mate Ant pointed out, uh, but when he's arrived, that it's quite like a thin material. It's quite see-through. Um, right. So for someone who I would, you know, someone like me, who I would not describe as being 
let's say muscular. Um, I'm not sure how how, how quite attractive uh, a look <laughs> it, it will be on the larger, hairier gentleman. But there we are. Uh, we'll find out in the heat of of Qatar uh, how how good it is. But yeah, um, of the two, which maybe you, that's maybe that's the thinking. Maybe it's designed to be nice and breathable when you're in Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Let's pretend that's that's true. Um, of, of the two, which do you prefer? I like the away one, which is unusual, actually. Um, but I think I think the extra chevroning and the the colouring on the collar, I think those are just interesting touches that put it above the red one. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Definitely the underarm bits are lovely. Uh, Mike Jones has <laughs> asked, where's everyone drinking in Brussels? Well, um, a friend of mine, in fact, a friend of ours, in fact, Jamie Wilkinson, um, he used to live in uh, Brussels and has given me mm-hmm. what he describes as his perfect uh, Brussels beer crawl. So uh, <laughs> I, I will post a few names on, on, on Twitter in the next day or so. One of them is a, is a former brothel that has been turned into a bar, um, which strikes me <laughs> as an excellent spot to, uh, to, go, to go and enjoy some light refreshments pre and post match. Yep, he does. <laughs> yeah, loves a trip to the brothel. Um, oh God, why have I said that? Um, <laughs> I was going to say loves a trip to the bar, but um, there you go. Uh, but he's I've, correcting you. Yeah, All right. he is. Yeah, he does prefer the brothel. It seems. Anyway, um, looking ahead to the Poland game, um, obviously very different game in terms of our ability to win it, but also what it kind of means uh, to both teams. It's, mm-hmm. it, ultimately, it's a shame, really, that these two games aren't the other way around because this is obviously a big game for us in the context of staying up in the same way that I feel like the, the Belgians and the Dutch playing, they would prefer it to be the other way around as well. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, a bit of a sh- it's a bit of a shame in a way that it's fallen this way, right? Yes and no. I mean, I can, I can see the plus in the sort of, decide a game on Sunday with the polls almost assume you know assuming the their result with the Dutch goes the way we want it um I, I suppose I'm with you I, I, I can see I, d- I don't know though you see because I think at least we'll go into Sunday's game understanding what's going on but obviously their result in Rotterdam is going to be key we've got to hope they lose to the Dutch ideally um I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it makes a lot of difference, actually, though. Oh, well, sod yeah. Um, I, <laughs> um, their recent results are kind of interesting, really. A real mixed bag. They lost mm-hmm. to the Belgians 1-0. Uh, they drew 2-2 to the Dutch, but they've also lost 6-1 to the Belgians, uh, as well as beating us yeah. with those later goals. Their record is quite good, actually, before that. They beat Sweden. They drew with the Scots. Um, but before that is, is a go start to Rocky. They're kind of a weird team, I think, the Poles. In terms of what they're capable of, because they've obviously got some really good players. But if those good players don't fire, again, very similar to us, they're a very mm-hmm. beatable team, I think. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think their 2-0 against, win against Sweden, that's, you know, obviously that was back in March, but that was their, you know, their one playoff game, wasn't it? And I, and I thought they were pretty impressive in that game. Um, the 6-1 defense, Defeat to the Belgians is interesting. I think that kind of plays to what you were saying about if they're not firing, their kind of heads go down and they, they that game got away from them very quickly. Yeah. Um, I think that, that goal difference might end up being really important for us. Um, we've got to make sure we don't get thrashed in, in Brussels on, on Thursday because at the minute that 6-1 is, is playing, playing for us, as it were. Um, 
yeah, I, th I think I'm with you. I think they are a little hot and cold. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they come into Sunday's game, uh, knowing that a draw might be enough to keep them in the in the A A League. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to see how they approach it. But I, I think we're eminently capable of beating them at home. We we came very close. Um, in the June game away, and we were really unfortunate not to get something out of that game, particularly when we consider the 11 that we fielded. Um, so I think we've got every chance to get some of the CCS. Yeah, I agree. Our, our home record is great. Uh, they are gettable. They, they can ship goals, as we've seen uh, in those previous previous games there. I think the, the, the thing for me here is I just think we've just got to go and attack the game. And I think yeah. that might be... Uh, how we attack it might be necessitated is that the right word um by <laughs> mm -hmm. what happens obviously on thursday um but i i think it'll be it's a game we've just got to go for i, I think there's no point yeah. kind of diet there's no diet there should, we shouldn't be dying wondering and i don't think we should really be you know rotating too much either here i think this is it would be important for us to stay up um, mm -hmm. just from a, a financial, but also I think it's important that we're testing ourselves against these big nations on a regular basis. And we've certainly shown, yeah. you know, bar two silly late goals against the Dutch, that we're more than capable of being in this division. So I think, mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important. The only flip side I can say, were we to go down, being negative as always, is that if, if we did go down, it does allow us that cycle that we were talking about to kind of happen um, in a more comfortable environment. Like if we need to play mm -hmm. France and Germany or England or whoever and we're trying to blood some youngsters, then I think that's going to be tricky. Whereas if we end up doing that against, I don't know, I'm, I'm just trying to furiously scroll through now and see who's in between, you know, Ireland. Like the next League B is Ukraine, Scotland, Ireland, Armenia, Israel, Iceland, Albania, Russia. Like if we're going to have to rotate and experiment with players... I would quite happily do it against Armenia than I would uh, against France. So there is that there is a relative upside, if that's the right word, to to getting relegated as well. Obviously, I want to stay up, and I think it's important, but I do think that it does give us a bit of wiggle room in the future as well. Yeah, and I think ranking ranking points, ranking positions are they obviously come into play with this, don't they? With the uh, you know, seedings for the next qualifying groups and that sort of thing. The, um, I mean, the next games we'll be playing will be will be qualifying games for Euros. Once we're the other side of the World Cup, we'll be qualifying games for the for Euro twenty four. Um, and the Nations League, I think, comparatively is is a ways off. I do think there's this the backdoor qualification that the Nations League is you know, is provided with as the sort of security blanket it's provided for some of these, uh, for the Euros. That's quite interesting, but I would hope that we don't need it. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I, I, I can see your point about uh, any experimenting we might need to do. My gut reaction is that Bale and Allen and Ramsey may well be staying around for Euro 24, even if it's just on a, you know, we're here if you need us kind of basis as opposed to being a mainstay of 90 minutes every game. Um, and so I think we might have quite an, quite an interesting transition period, actually, those 18 months leading up to that once we're the other side of the World Cup. And I'm not sure the Nations League is really such a vital part of that as a process. 
but I think the confidence that comes from, you know, playing the Dutch away and, as you say, being 90 seconds of sleepiness away from getting a point out of that game, I think we've got, you know, we should take some heart from that. And so I think the Nations League served that purpose, really, rather than an actual uh competition purpose yeah i i think that's valid i i, I don't entirely agree I, I i do think it serves more of a purpose than that and i think it's just important that we we do keep testing ourselves but ultimately i suppose you're right that the necessity for that cycle mm. uh, is perhaps not starting anytime soon um one thing i do think is interesting there you mentioned there about the seedings um mm-hmm. what it, it is the best three of four Third placed teams, if that makes sense, that are in the in the top pot. So everyone in who comes first and second in their nations league group will be in the first seeds, plus three of the be- the three best third placed teams. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not straight on rankings. Then it's actually on your nations league positions. Yeah, not solely, but I think for us mm-hmm. to get in that, I think that's what needs to happen. Is that we need to be one right. of the three, um, but which is fascinating, because if I look at the minute, who is third and fourth in every group? Um, mm-hmm. In Group One, it is Austria who are third, and France who are bottom of their group. Um, mm-hmm. Group two is the Czech Republic and the Swiss, which I think, uh, given Spain and Portugal are the other two, that makes sense. Group three, Hungary a top, Germany who don't matter because they will have already qualified a second, Italy a third. And no, they're, they're hosting anyway, aren't they? Yes. Um, they're hosting. Yeah. Uh, Italy a third and England a bottom. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's Poland and Wales, obviously, who are the next. It's really interesting because I, I think realistically, if we came out of this with five points to come third... Um, mm-hmm. we would we, we would be in an interesting spot because Italy have already got that many points. Um, so we would, ironically, rather the English do well in their group uh, to, put, <laughs> to, to knock them down. It's a really interesting dynamic. So I, I, I'm also kind of interested by how that plays out and how those other teams, whether, let's say, France and England are the two standouts there, whether they will kind of recover, if you like, mm-hmm. and stay up, but also in doing so kind of cause a threat to our seeding so it, it is interesting and it, there is a bigger uh, goal if you like to this um, do you think that we will line up in a similar way against the the Poles than we will against the Belgians or do you think we might rotate you know injuries uh, not being an issue I think we'll be pretty similar actually assume, as you say assuming there's no knocks that people are carrying or someone doesn't have an absolute mayor on Thursday yeah. um I think I think it would be very similar because that probably is our best eleven. I mean, you'd add Bale in, wouldn't you? If you assuming you can, you can for Sunday's game, but otherwise, I think it is the best eleven we can manage from. Um, given you know, given the squads and who's missing. Um, on to our. I agree with you. Uh, by the way, um, on to our favourite thing predictions. <laughs> um, do you want to have a stab at what you think will happen here? I'm going to go for 2-1 for us. Okay. I think we will nick it 1-0, is what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, a very close game. I think Bale won't start. I think Bale will come off the bench. Uh, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't played 90 minutes. Hasn't, I think he's 
he well he hasn't played 90 minutes yet he's started just a couple of games um so I think you know he's building his fitness but it I can't see any point in really, really pushing it in this game. No, and, and I think that's what he's gone to America for, right? I, I don't think anyone mm-hmm. yeah. expected him to be starting 90 minutes week out, uh, week in, week out. I no. think the expectation was that he manages his fitness so that he's ready for uh, for for November. I, I don't think there's there's anything groundbreaking there. Um, speaking of groundbreaking, relatively speaking... Um, Rob Page got his full contract awarded to him this week, a four-year deal. Uh, A fantastic opportunity for him and and, and something that I think we can all agree on is well-deserved. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much more to say beyond that. He's definitely earned the right to, you know, for a a good contract. I'm just very pleased for him because I think, you know, it's fair to say that we had had our reservations and it's it's one of those occasions where being proved wrong is very pleasing. (laughs) Yeah, I, I said that on Twitter when the news came out. That is, I, I hate being wrong, but I'm absolutely delighted to be wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, he's done so, so well and, and, and really, really deserves that. So congratulations to him. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on those two uh, on those two games or that little section there, Ruth, before I move on? No, let's let's move on. Um, maybe have a quick chat about Matty Jones, given we were talking about coaches. I think he's an interesting appointment with the under 21s yeah before i do want to talk about him because i want to have a wider conversation about kem campbell so before we go Mm -hmm. to that um our last pod we were talking about the wales women and their draw with slovenia which got them into the playoffs um the draw has been held in our in our little week off there meaning Mm -hmm. that we have uh, bosnia at home and then should we beat the bosnians we will play the swiss away um, yeah. before then obviously a collection of different absolutely mental things can happen so um, <laughs> let's just focus on those two first of all Bosnia at home I think is is the dream draw really of the options that are available it's an it's an interesting one because uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina were, were the only second place team that were ranked below us so they were I mean obviously things would have had to go on a bit skewy but they were the one team who could have potentially uh meant that we would be ranked two rather than three if we do ultimately get through all this um, and and have saved us going to the inter-confederation playoffs. But that being said, I think if you were going to just look at it as who would you rather play, you'd, you'd definitely have picked Bosnia-Herzegovina and definitely picked them at home. So I think as a first-round uh, opponent, that's it is as good as we could have asked for, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Swiss will be a different kettle of fish away. Um, they're ranked about 10 places above us. Uh, but we've had some good results against teams that are, you know, the, they're on par with the Scots, I suppose, with, with where they're ranked. Um, so, we've, you know, we've had some good results recently against similarly ranked teams. So I think we have to go in, we'd have to go into that game positive. I think we can. And the pressure would definitely be on them and not on us. Uh but obviously, first things first, we've got to get we've got to get through the Bosnia Herzegovina game. Yeah, I think the thing with the Swiss is is that they are capable of really turning it on. Like in their last qualifying <laughs> game, I think they beat someone fifteen nil, um, yeah. which is mad. So I, I think they are definitely capable of turning it on. If we'd have played that at home, I think I would have felt yeah. a little bit more confident, um, or maybe not confident, but comfortable. Um, whereas yeah. the alternative now, I, I feel less comfortable. But do you know what? You know, this is a World Cup. No, this is this was never going to be easy. 
And I think yep. we knew what we were in for. We had a tough group with the French. So coming second was always the aim, which we've done. We knew that the playoffs were going to be difficult. And <laughs> it is what it is. If you want to get to a World Cup and do well at a World Cup, you've got to beat good football teams. And I think yeah. uh, And I think it's just as simple as that for us, really. Um, obviously, I would have preferred an easier draw and, and all that other stuff. But... If, if 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 this is the alternative, then you know I I'll take that just because I think it gives us a good chance to get to that last game, and then in that mm-hmm. anything can happen. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, as you mentioned, Matty Jones, there. Let's talk about him. What did you make of that appointment? I think it's. I mean, I won't say I know a great deal about him, but I think he's got a really interesting coaching CV. Um, but all within the kind of wider Welsh football community. I think it's an interesting example of the trust and the coaching programme that the FAW have of kind of building uh, building experiences sort of internally, as it were, enabling people to have enough diversity in, in their resume that then makes them an interesting choice. I mean, started out with the, the Swansea... Academy when the Swansea Academy was at its height. And I think, you know, that's obviously a positive move. And then there's sort of been involved with different aspects of the FAW coaching setup, the under 18s, then then been attached with Gemma Granger and the women's side and, and now the under 21. So I think obviously it speaks well of him, but I think it also speaks well of the FAW kind of program for coaches. And I mean, we've talked about this a lot over the years and just what a positive addition it is to the sort of FAW portfolio as it were and I think I think Matty Jones is a very uh a very sort of visceral representation of that of of being able to create experience and and a development role across the FAW system yeah I think it's a great appointment and I think it's important for the FAW, as you say, to have someone who's going to be through that pathway and, and part of their system and has achieved something at the end of it. I think it's massive that he's also been involved in the women's game and under-18s and club football, and he's not been defined by either one of those routes. He's come into mm-hmm. it and he's you know, going down the club football route, route, route has not stopped him being involved in international football. Equally, being involved in the women's football has not stopped him coming over to the men's side so it shows that there is a, you know a flexibility in what the FAW offer and if you're a good coach then you're a good coach yeah. it doesn't matter whether you've done well for the women or for the men or for the youth teams or whatever they value how good you are at your job not the your, your kind of narrower experience and I mm-hmm. think and I think it's yeah. really really important and I think I think you'll do a good job um to, to look at the squad he's picked Ruth obviously Jordan James was the big one coming in um he's obviously mm-hmm. gone up to the senior squad now uh, Jeff Cott uh, was excluded. He sh- he could have been picked, but apparently is slowly recovering like full fitness. So that's why he didn't get picked, apparently, mm-hmm. rather than any kind of ulterior motive. The big one really is Kem Campbell, I think, who's someone who could have been picked um, and apparently has turned down the offer to join the under-21s this week. I'm just wondering what you think of that in, a, in, the, in the first instance, obviously, but obviously the wider context of what that means. Um... I'm not sure I I see him. I mean, the question, of course, is is he is he sitting on the fence because he hopes to get called up by England? If if that's his hope, then I 
I don't think it's um I don't think that's an issue. I don't think there's a problem if kid A in his heart of hearts wants to play for, you know, team X over team Y. I I yeah, I think let let him go forward with whatever his aspiration is. If that means he's not interested in you know, standing up for us, fair enough, because that's not where his heart is. Um if what he's actually doing is just wants to concentrate on his club, you know, bre- properly breaking into the Wolves team, I think that's a different, a slightly different argument. I think, uh, I think we discussed in the in the last pod or maybe the one before that that you know, in my mind, getting involved with a, a national team even at under twenty ones is a kind of positive thing for your resume. Um, so I think it's I, I think it's fundamentally depends on what his motives are if he actually wants to play for England then good luck to him if what he wants to do is consolidate his position at Wolves I'm not sure that this is like actually the best uh the best thing for him to decide not to get involved with the national team yeah it's a weird one isn't it like I personally I personally understand that, right? Because if you're young and you've been told that you're on the brink of getting into a Premier League team and a good Premier League team at that, mm-hmm. do you want to re- you know, jeopardise that and the, the riches and everything that goes with that to, to go and play two games for Wales under 21s? If, if, if you, you know, we all love that. We, you and I would you know, snap someone's arm off to go and play football for Wales. But that's also because it's our dream. And like yeah. they are, these people are living that in reality, and and I think all of a sudden your, your your dreams and your goals and your aspirations switch at that age when you know he might still be waiting for that first big paycheck. Like he could get injured tomorrow and never get that. Mm-hmm. So I, I do understand it, and I and I do think just because in this instance that he's prioritised his club stuff over his international career I don't think means that he doesn't want to play for us it might mean that he wanted to play for England and he's keeping us on the back burner but I I personally don't think he does that and I think we're also kidding ourselves as much as we want to believe it if over the years we've thought you know we're ignoring the fact that definitely players will have made decisions to benefit their club career over their Mm -hmm. international career and some people do it overtly like Ryan Giggs and others, and, I, and you know, I'm not digging Aaron Ramsey out, I totally understand it. He went to Juventus, he wanted to play. You know, there's some friendlies, whatever, he didn't want to play. In our Nation League game, he didn't probably didn't want to play. And so he had a bit of a knock and thought to himself, is it worth me pushing myself through this to play for Wales when I want to get in the Juve team? Probably not. Could Ben Davis have played in these two games if he really, really wanted to? Probably. But he didn't want to jeopardise his club spot knowing that there's a World Cup coming down the line as well. So... Like I, I do think we've also got to take those rose-tinted spectacles off a little bit when we kind of talk about these things. Just because he said yeah. no, it, not everyone is a is a dick like Paul Dummett. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, th- th- there is a, there is a middle ground there uh, to to be had. Yeah, I think talking about Campbell in particular, it's not like he's had a long-running history with the Wales youth teams and age groups. And, you know, suddenly he looks like he's about to make it into the Wolves team and England have kind of like, you know, sent him a box of chocolates. Do you know what I mean? He's, <laughs> he's, not actually, he's not actually been that involved with our youth teams. He's got one under 17 cap. I think the last involvement was a good three or four years ago. So it's not like we've built a relationship and he's turning his back on it. It doesn't sound like there's a huge relationship there anyway. Um so, you know, I think 
we might not i think we've got to be careful how we judge his commitment as it were because it's not like we've been he's been you know developing and developing and developing and suddenly there's this other opportunity and he's gone sniffing after that it's not been that sort of relationship i don't think oh, i knew we should have given him a box of fucking chocolates ruth that is <laughs> if that was <laughs> if that was all it took <laughs> Someone, someone, get on Twitter to Matty Jones right now, uh, and see if someone can get Kem Campbell uh, a, a, a box of milk tray. Uh, that will solve all his problems. Um, just to stick with the under twenty ones theme, uh, very briefly, because we have talked a lot here. Um, Dan Pritchard has asked: After Alan Ramsey and Bale, who do we think are the next three players coming through the system that will take over? Um, I think it's a really interesting question because they're three different positions as well, really. Like uh, yeah. a box-to-box type midfielder, who's going to be the next creator in Ramsey? And equally, who's going to be the next kind of goal-getter and, and whatever else that could that could replace Bale? I think there's some obvious answers, um, yeah. but I, I, which I think I would like to perhaps see a clear of, which does make the task a little bit more difficult. <laughs> Um, so I can't, I can't just go Amphody Wilson-Johnson. No. <laughs> well, you, you can, but that renders the question pointless. Um, I, I, I just thought it might be interesting to kind of mull over a couple of others because Jeff Cott, for example, is is someone who has definitely kind of faded a little bit in, in terms of what he's, you know, he was on fire for that little spell a while ago and that has kind of faded a little bit. So is he going to be the next one? Obviously, the, the other names that kind of jump out to me are Luke Harris. Um, I always laugh at that because when I, I when I, I used to coach football, uh, Sully many moons ago, and there was a kid called Luke Harris uh, who played for played for me. It's not the same one, obviously. Um, <laughs> he then went on to play for our five aside team, and because he was the youngest kid there, we called him Luke the Kid Harris. Um, so every time I see his name pop up playing for Fulham, I was just like, well, I wonder if that it. No, it is definitely. <laughs> No, it's strange uh, enough, no. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as, a, as, a, as an amusing sidetrack, we had one of our one of our end of season five a night five aside nights out once, and one of my all time favourite stories. There was like maybe there was about ten or twelve of us, and Luke the kid Harris was only seventeen, so couldn't get in at the time, but came with us anyway. And we went to a bar in Cardiff, Gassy Jacks, and uh, as we were walking in, the bouncer was like, "All right, lads, how's it going? All right, lads, how's it going?" And turned to Luke the kid Harris and said, uh, "Can I see your ID, please, mate?" And someone else stepped in front of him and was just like, yeah, 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 no problem. Here's my ID. It was just like, no, not you, mate, the lad behind you. And then a second person jumped in and just went, yeah, 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 no problem. Just like, no, no, neither of you two, the third lad, the lad, the dark, the dark-haired lad, the dark-haired lad. So I stepped in. The one in. that looks about 12. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then I stepped in and was just like, oh, I'm the dark head. When is my idea? I was like, no, no, none of you four. This lad over there. And we were so drunk, we found this stuff. We found this hilarious. And after after a genuine five to ten minutes of back and forth, where some people had shown their ID twice, in the, in the end, the bouncer was just like, oh, just go in. Uh, absolutely superb stuff. Anyway, um, what was the question? Oh yeah, them. I I also I also like the boy Harris at Cardiff City as a as a goal getter. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he may not be that kind of prolific and, and, and clinical necessarily, but I love his movement and his work rate up front. I love players like that who don't stop. It must mm-hmm. be a nightmare to defend against someone like him who's just on the move the whole time. So he's someone I, I really fancy. And obviously, Kem Campbell has definitely definitely got ability in there. But Jordan James is the one, I think, who is really going to be a, has got the real potential to be a real standout player. I'll add Ruben Colwell to the list. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
I'm not, I mean, there's maybe we should say comment in passing what's going on in Cardiff. Um, (laughs) So I think it would, I think it would be interesting to see obviously what happens next. Um, for, for, you know, quite a lot of the young Welsh players that are, that are based at Cardiff City. But, um, yeah, I think, I think, we've, I mean, we've got, it's like we were saying at the start of the pod today, we've got some, we've got enough interesting, prospective young players there that I think that kind of visceral fear we might have had five, six years ago, knowing that, you know, there's going to be a point where, Bale, Ramsey and Allen age out of the team that it just doesn't feel as feel as fearful now does it no that's that's very true um and I and I think there is there is and we've mentioned four or five there but there's still others coming through um, yeah oil oracle uh, which is a great name was also asked one a similar question are there any hidden gems uh, the of the younger generation who might make it to Qatar Ollie Cooper was another one that she's mentioned uh, that they've mentioned sorry on their list and and again it just yeah. shows that there is there is quality coming through isn't there yeah and i think broadhead might have something say in this mix as well you know yeah so and we've, yeah. And we've still forgotten about um uh little ben woodburn as well so yeah who's, yeah. who's at preston so you know that th- there are still other people still kind of knocking around and, and still part yeah. of, of the setup so you know it's, it's a big question that I, I think we'll save the who do you think you would go to guitar uh with, with from the youngsters for another day because I think that's a great question with that being said I do have one final question for you because I think we are all done then um, the the catchiest name on Twitter Wales World Cups Cup Song by Blitz Boys uh, which, which really rolls off the tongue um, they have asked you can choose one player from any country and any generation to play for Wales in Qatar who are you taking? Oh, give any player from any generation. Give me a minute. That's quite a long list. <laughs> um, it's a tricky one, that, isn't it? I think I might take John Charles. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a very political, what a very politically correct answer, Ruth. Very safe answer. Um, Maybe Maldini. <laughs> Well, okay. I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> I um, uh, am going to go down the more predictable route. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think there are some players who can do magic things. And I don't think there's ever been a player who could win a World Cup on their own who wasn't called Diego Armando Maradona. And and I, and I, <laughs> and I, and I just think he... He, for me, is, is is the greatest, or the most, maybe not the greatest, but the most talented footballer of all time. And I think he could win. Mm-hmm. He could win you stuff on his own. So I would, I would be taking Maradona, which is a bit. I suppose he's a relatively. Well, too, I was going to say cop out answers. Yours is a bit more uh, <laughs> interesting than mine, less predictable than mine. But um, yeah, um, Ruth, do you have anything else that you would like to add after? Do you want? Do you want to add anything about? The Steve Morrison situation in Cardiff. I just think it's really—it's just an odd I, decision. I, I was thrown by that. I will be honest. Yeah, I have, a, I have a few other questions as well. Like, have you watched the This Is Wrexham yet? Um, but um, I, I, I do, I do think the Morrison one is an interesting one. Ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, football is a results business, as we know. And if you don't, there, there is obviously an expectation from that ownership group, rightly or wrongly that things need to be going in a certain direction and 
the realities of it are obviously passing them by in terms of the money they've spent and <laughs> the change in uh, system and philosophy that they're trying to affect. And, my, and I said this uh, a while ago when we talked about this stuff, that if you just keep kicking the can down the road, nothing will ever change. And Morrison mm-hmm. principally was the right decision in a, in a way there in terms of the philosophy and what they wanted to do. And yet yeah. here we are months later back to just kicking the can down the road. And, you know, the, the names that are being linked are as uninspiring as you might think. I saw Paul yeah. Ince. Paul Ince was one of the ones that was being lined up today. I mean, just think, bloody hell. You know, when when will that that ownership group, TAN, et cetera, learn? So for me, I, I, it's just a it's an it's an odd decision, given. Given the alternatives, if nothing else, as well as obviously what he was trying to implement. Yeah, it's a weird one because you feel if they've done that, they they must have someone lined up really yeah. and yet and yet it hasn't been you know Morrison's leaving so and so's coming in um yeah I, I just I just I just find it strange I mean they're not yes they're not they've not had a stellar start to the season but you look how congested that middle portion of the championship is you know a couple of wins and you're up to eighth or ninth you know it's, it's just I, I just find it a very strange decision I can't imagine that the unsettled nature is helpful. And also it must make whoever they're approaching think twice as well. Wouldn't wouldn't you? Would you be rushing to take this role on? Strange one. I, I agree. I think the only thing is you you can't under undervalue is the arrogance of a football manager. I think you've got to be a certain type of person <laughs> to go in and do this t- sort of job. And I think you've got to think you can mm-hmm. turn it round because otherwise no one would do it. So... I do think there are people who would think, yeah, but I'll make it work. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, it implies to me that they've got someone waiting. Um, mm. Part of me thinks they want a young person who's a, a former big name um, as, a, as a player to come in. Uh, and I think they tried to do that with Solskjaer and obviously didn't work. But I, I've seen that Michael Carrick is on the list um, uh, after he's done you know, a lot of coaching work at Manchester United. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I wonder if someone like that would be the, the, the draw. Um, but I mean, who knows? It's, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I always compare things to Newcastle, I appreciate it, But, you know, Newcastle has been a basket case for a club for quite a while now. I mean, Cardiff City is, is really taking the business. They're really taking that now that Mike Ashley's out, <laughs> out the way. Vincent Tan is really going all guns blazing to be that kind of club. So... <laughs> You know, well done. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mad one. My last question for you, very very quickly, is: Have you watched This Is Wrexham yet? No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. As you know, we have internet challenges here, uh, so as soon as we have something a bit more settled, I'll be binge watching and catching up. Um, but I have enjoyed just. It's not often, but just catching sort of snippets of the the coverage over here and the you know, the advertising that's going on over here and the, the drops in the billboards and adverts and snippets and all that sort of thing. It's getting people's attention. I think uh, I think that shouldn't be underestimated. Yeah, it's fascinating, really. And, like, I've watched, I think, I think we've watched five or six episodes now. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a great watch. Uh, there's, I have a few questions. I like, I think, like, there's very little actual football uh, 
in, <laughs> yeah. consider it's a football documentary. Yeah, it's a, it's a soap opera, I think. Yeah, really, basically. It? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I don't know what was that. What's that show? Where oh Christ, you know, like the uh, Made in Chelsea, where it's like fake reality TV, and every now and again there's a football match at the <laughs> end of it. Um, but they come across so so well um, and seem very genuine and, and 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 real about all of this. I think the the, the comments mm-hmm. the comments on the language are great. Uh, which I mm-hmm. think, and that they kind of take the piss out of themselves within that as well, which is very good. I think the thing for me that they've really captured, and you can tell that they are filmmakers rather than football people, is they've really captured the stories of people. Well, and there was an episode I won't ruin for you that we watched last night, which, which was centered about the the song uh, that has that has gone with it, and it was really quite moving. And you you know you talk about I, I always say to people who ask me like why you going to Belgium for a day to watch mm-hmm. effectively a meaningless match. Like, it's, it's, it's obviously you want to win and obviously that's important, but also the majority of this stuff is you do it for the people, like you do it for the for the day out or the, mm-hmm. you know, people you haven't seen for a while or to visit a new place or, you know, people yeah. talk about the football family, but that is why you do it. Um, so that is, is brought across really, really well, I think, in a couple of the episodes. And yes, the football side of it is not that exciting uh at this point but the realities of of what it means to be a football fan in a in a in a club that have very much had their struggles you know in the in the last 20 years or so at least is is fascinating really so i think they've, they've done that element really really well so i would very much recommend it Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I'll be a binge watcher yes. one weekend coming up. <laughs> I will give you uh, a dodgy, uh, sorry, I will give you a completely legitimate website uh, that will, uh, that <laughs> will help problem. you. Yes, I, th- I think it might. I think it might. Um, I am obviously going to Belgium on Thursday. We're driving up on Thursday morning from The Hague uh, uh, about a two-hour drive, which we're looking... I'm, I'm not looking forward to the drive at all, but uh, obviously looking forward to getting there and going on a little pub crawl. Um, so, yeah, if there's anyone... I think I'm going to I'm gonna take the flag as ever, so if anyone does see the Coleman Had, had a Dream flag, please do come and say hello uh, ahead of the match. Um, it should be a, a good couple of days. My mate O's and Paul are flying here tomorrow, uh, or, well, Wednesday night, so today when you're listening to this. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to try and do as we did for the Czech Republic game, some kind of um, some recordings on my phone as we go through the day, just because I found that quite funny mm-hmm. last time. So we'll do that again. Um, but uh, yeah, if anyone does see the flag, please do come over and say hello. Um, a little bit final bit more admin just before we finish. Um, if you have liked listened to this, please like and subscribe on any uh, of the formats we're available on. We're available on Acast, SoundCloud. Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, and a collection of other things that I can't remember off the top of my head. So please like and subscribe so you get us on a regular basis. Also, uh, a big thanks to everyone, a few more people uh, who have contributed to our buymeacoffee.com page, which is helping keeping us going at the moment. So if you are interested in supporting us to make sure that this podcast stays free, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Coleman Stream and you can support us there and keep us going. So that is the admin done for today. Thank you very (laughs) much uh, to those who have supported us most recently. We very, very much appreciate it. Yeah, can I just add my thanks to that as well? It really is. It's it's makes such a difference. So thank you to those folks that have uh, reached in the pocket and supported us. 
Well, on that happy note, good luck to the boys on Thursday and Sunday. Um, very much looking forward to the games. Thank you very much for your time, Ruth, and uh, we will speak to you all soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.